0: Hello to those of you joining us in this room and those of you joining us online from home or wherever you are. I'm so glad that you're here today. Want to consider a picture together this morning. It's this picture right here. It is from the New Yorker magazine cover of in February of 1981. It is done by Charles Adams. And the image, it shows a typical a fluent New Yorker inside of his apartment, standing at the door inside, and the door is made of steel, and it has four locks on it, a security bar. Underneath the door, you see there's a little envelope, and it has a large red heart on it. And this cover was published on Valentine's Day, but it could be about our scripture passage today. The scripture passage today is a story about Jesus appearing to his disciples after the resurrection and in both our scripture passage and in this picture. We see uh, you know the disciples, And this man locking the doors. And despite the doors being locked, despite the doors being locked from the inside, love still gets in. John 20 says this. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews... The Holy Spirit. This passage is really all about the heart of faith. It's it's about who God is. It's about who we are. It's about what we can do and what we can't do. And it is about, in many ways, what love does. First of all, the passage is about who we are. And we are people who lock the doors. We are people behind locked doors for a whole lot of different reasons. We lock the doors. For whatever reason it may be, uh, fear, shame, anger, resentment, past experiences, There are many reasons we lock the doors in our lives. Now, in the scripture passage, the disciples are behind locked doors because they are afraid. They're afraid of the religious leaders. They're uh, afraid of what has just happened in, in Jesus rising. They're afraid of the crowds, what might happen. They're probably afraid of a Messiah who has risen from the dead, and the last they saw of him, they were, like, abandoning him in his darkest moment. So they're probably, you know, quite concerned about, is he going to want to settle the scores with them? They're afraid, and they've locked the doors. In uh, the picture, the door um, is also locked, That is probably a much more stylish door than the disciples were behind. I mean, here it is. It's a man in New York. He's behind this beautiful steel door, all these locks. It's almost like this symbol of or this picture of having clawed and climbed his way to the top. He's in the penthouse, and he's got all of these locks, and he's got this bar, and he's got this chain, And inside of all that he has built, he is safe. His stuff is safe. Nobody can get to him. It's all protected. And what could be better than that, right? Like he's arrived. Or maybe what could be worse than that? It kind of depends on how you look at it. In the gospel story and in this little picture, much an example that tells us of ourselves like it is, tells us who we are because we all know what it is like to lock the doors about things that keep us inside and limited and cut off and isolated from ourselves, from each other, from the natural world, from God. We all have personal locks, things, you know, doubt and, and fear, anger, resentments, things like our own wounds, our own personal history, our own pride and opinions and self-righteousness. Of course, our own sin, our own shame. We can, in a way, all put ourselves in this picture for different reasons. In many ways, it's like this is the natural human condition. This is who we are. We're all kind of like this. Part of what it means to be human, to be a person in the world, is to, from time to time, find ourselves being people behind closed and locked doors. One term for this experience is alienation. Being separated like in fundamental ways from the natural world, from each other, from God, even from our own selves, to live behind locked doors is to experience alienation, isolation. And there are all sorts of different ways that we could talk about this this reality, this experience. In fact, it kind of is the underlying story of the whole Bible. You know, starting with the creation and with the fall, we see that God creates the first humans. And they're walking in a garden. And at that time, there's no doors. The the Bible says that they're walking naked and unashamed. There's no fear of rejection. They're fully known. They're fully loved. There's no reason to lock any door. Scripture says that there is something in our lives, in the nature of humanity, that is fundamentally in need of repair. We're in need of divine mending. We're in need of God's healing. And alienation is this experience in our lives, this, this aching for wholeness, this aching and longing for Eden. And it kind of, you know, often just feels like it's like it's just beyond our reach. Saint Augustine famously said that, you know, we're our hearts are restless. That we're restless until we find our rest in him. I've probably heard other people say like we have a, a hole in our souls that is the shape of a cross and that that hole is always attempted to be filled, but but until it's filled with that which it's made for, it feels this restlessness, this alienation. You know, it's interesting because in the creation story you have the first humans and they are walking in the garden and then when sin enters the scene, shame enters the scene. And the first thing they do is they make fig leaves to cover themselves. They become aware of their nakedness, and they try to solve it, to fix it on their own. And God comes to them with the most interesting first question. He's like, where are you? Where are you? It's like God has been asking that question of humans ever since. Like, Adam and Eve, where are you? Disciples in the upper room behind the locked doors, where are you? Man on the cover of the New Yorker magazine, you know, where are you? It's a good, good question for you and I to bring before God in prayer this week to maybe take a little time to consider the voice of love, which is the voice of God asking you and I, where are you? Where are you? Of course God knows. But there's this sort of asking so that we too might know. Where where are we? Where are you? The next question that God asks the first humans is, who told you that you were naked? Who told you this? Where are you? And who told you that you were naked? Because all too often... We try to fix this alienation. We try to fix this emptiness on our own. We sew ourselves up some fig leaves. We build our platforms. We build our careers. We build our little empires. We try to fix this alienation, this ache on our own. So much of the energy that we expend in life is because Underneath it, there's a sense that something's wrong like we experience alienation we try to fix it on our own we try to find the person maybe if I just find the right partner or we try to find the the program like the seven habits or the leadership program or the cohort or the something some program or we, or we try to find a pastime like if I get a hobby and I get really good at it, maybe that will solve this ache or or a substance, like maybe one more drink, or a belief, or a cause. We look to these things to try to make us comfortable, to make us happy, to maybe numb the feeling of alienation that we're experiencing, all the while it continues underneath. It's like, like I was thinking, it's like, Our souls are thirsty for water, and we just keep pouring in sand. And Easter, you know, Easter breaks in to this reality in our lives because our efforts never work, not for the long haul anyway, because over time we discover that we can't fix this by ourselves and often the more that we try the bigger mess that we make and easter is really about how god comes through and god comes through the locked doors that we've constructed and offers himself and he offers his peace he gives us his love he offers us the possibility of new life and and it's this gift it's like this gift that is this gift of love that is slid under the door under the locked door. You know, in the gospel story, the disciples don't do anything. They don't do anything noble. They don't do anything heroic. Y- you, they really don't do anything from the crucifixion till this moment that is even mildly admirable. Remember, the last thing they showed Jesus before he died on the cross was like their backs running in the other direction. The last we heard of Peter, he denied ever even knowing Jesus at all. This is what the disciples do. They hide out. That's what they do. But Jesus comes through the locks. He offers peace and he offers his presence. Jesus appears with peace and presence. And it is worth noticing what they have done in the week before they saw him last in the past week. Look at all they've accomplished. (laughs) Essentially nothing. They've kept the doors locked. They've stayed inside. They have not been out there busy preaching. They have not been out there doing justice. They have not been out there writing books or making converts or changing the world. They have not been out there spreading love. And yet the Lord comes to them. Like, he comes without conditions. He comes without any lecture. He comes without any guilt or shame. He comes without demands. Like, even though their doors are locked even though they haven't done a single thing that would be worth writing home to heaven about, he still comes. The Lord comes to them. And it's so cool, this picture of, like, he comes to them, and kind of like God back in Genesis, who breathes life into the first humans, Jesus comes, and he breathes his spirit into them to make new life possible. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. It's like God comes despite anything they have done. It's the same with the picture, you know, the man, he didn't leave any space on purpose. He doesn't want anything to get through. He did the very best to remain closed off, to say, I got this. To say, I'm fine, thank you very much. I can take care of myself. He has intentionally crafted this in such a way that he is closed off, secure, unreachable, but love still found a way. And it's totally unexpected and it's totally unmerited. It's a gift. He gets this valentine. He gets this sign of love from behind these locked bars and chains and bolts. You know, this This of scripture this week also reminded me of another picture of closed doors, and it's the picture from the very first Harry Potter book, for the people who love the Harry Potter series, it's that scene where the magic of Hogwarts, is the the invitation is trying to get to Harry, and Uncle Vernon, who he's living with, is anti-magic. He is not at all willing to let this invitation to Harry get into his home. And uh, so he does everything he can to make it unreachable, to, to bolt the door. And um, this is that scene. Let's take a look. Fine day, Sunday. In my opinion, best day of the week. Why is that, Dudley? Because there's no post on Sundays. Right, you are, Harry. No post on Sunday. Ha! No blasted letters today! No, sir! No, sir. Not one blasted miserable... sure see myself in that like we're gonna do everything to communicate to everyone I got this All right I'm self-sufficient no I don't need I don't need the help I got this I'm independent and like a love letter slipped under a bolted door like the very presence of Jesus surprising us we have these times we receive the heart of love it's, it's just there. It's there for the disciples in that room on that day. It's there for that man in New York who's, you know, made it to the top. Love comes through. It's there for Harry. It's there for you. It's there for me. For all of the energy we expend, for all of the struggle to find things, you know, that will fix us, fill the holes inside us turns out to not be something we achieve. It's not a task we accomplish. It's not a a truth that we have to learn. It's not a ceremony that we have to perform or a hoop that we have to jump through. The answer is that little heart that slid under the door. It's like this impossible, present, in a locked room? The answer is the gift that we're offered when Jesus appears and says with his presence, peace, peace be with you. It's the person of Jesus. It's the presence of Jesus. And maybe it's like this passage of scripture is meant to be like a little reminder to us that we really don't have to do anything. Like, we just stand there like they were, afraid, filled with fear behind the locked doors, and God comes. It's like what really matters is that this is a gift, that the, the healing of the pain we experience, that the healing for the pain in our world, that the, the great promise of God, of rest and peace and wholeness, that all that a gift. It's, it's like we essentially do nothing and God does everything. It's like this is who we are. This is who God is. And the entire gospel, you know for, for those of you who would be like, I'm a follower of God in the way of Jesus, what, is, what does that mean for my life? I mean the, the entire gospel could be summed up like this: Be like Christ. Christ through and moves towards the locked doors and appears with presence, with peace. That is what Jesus did. That is also what his followers do as the body of Christ in the world. Let's pray together as we close. Lord Jesus, we thank you coming through the locked door to the disciples on that day and for coming through the many locked doors that we have built around ourselves since that day. Thank you that there is no lock strong enough to deter your love from coming. Thank you that there is nothing that we can do, that can separate us from your love? Would you make our hearts soft to receive your presence, your power, your love? Would you make us the kind of people who move towards others who are living behind locked doors so that we, the body of Christ, might be the real presence of Christ in the many places of pain in our world.